I respectfully acknowledge the Musqueam, Squamish, Tsleil-Waututh, Kutsi, Coquitlam, Kikite, Kwantlen, Semiamu, and Swasson peoples on whose unceded traditional territories I live, work, and study. What's up, Blue Jays fans? Welcome to the podcast, West Coast Blue Jays fans, a podcast by Max Gilladici and Liam Jeffrey, all about the Toronto Blue Jays. We talk about series recaps, player stats, and anything else you want to hear about baseball and Canada's favorite baseball team. This is one of three shows on this podcast feed, and if you are looking for the series all about Vancouver, click on an episode that starts with the letters AFR. If you like the podcast, share it with your friends or even your enemies. We are not picky. It helps to get the podcast out there. Enjoy West Coast Blue Jays fans. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of West Coast Blue Jays fans. As always, I am Max Ciliducci, joined, as always, by Liam Jeffrey. And what a week it was in Blue Jays baseball, indeed, Liam. What a week, indeed. Um, we got a big grand slam from Bo Bichette last night. And uh, they ended up winning the game six to two. But uh, let's start this podcast off by talking about Bo Bichette and how he's been struggling a little bit recently at the plate. Yeah, you want me to just dive right in there? Or do you want to? Do you have any comments? Oh, dive right start in there. Yeah. Okay. So I mean, you look at the, the game just starting yesterday. Um, obviously, the big uh, grand slam by Bo Bichette that was the most obvious talking point, and I mean, rightfully so. It was the biggest hit of the game, and it was the the winning runs that we got. But you look at that game as a whole from Bo, and the only headlines you're going to get are the the grand slam. But he was having a bad day to play it up into that. Like this season, he's been he's been interesting in the way that he's taking a lot of bad swings. Like you watch a lot of the strikeouts that he's having, and like the pitches are like either way outside or they're like being spiked in front of the plate. Like he's he's having absolutely no discipline whatsoever. Um, so it's nice to see him break out in in a way like that where he hits a big grand slam like like to win a game for the Blue Jays. But, you know, if he's going to be this kind of guy that has a 210, 220 batting average on the season and then every once in a while has a big moment while striking out way too much and taking really bad swings, this is a different Bichette than we've seen in the past. And this could be a bit of a problem. Well, and yeah, we also saw yesterday how like that home run trotter on the bases, like in probably like years past on different home runs, that would have, he would have had a pretty different level of hype as he was running around the bases, but he was a guy with just his head down and you could tell that he really needed to, he really needed a moment like that to kind of maybe hopefully break him out of this slump. And you saw once he got to the dugout yesterday that George Springer was sitting there hugging him a good prolonged hug and was saying something to him. And you gotta, you gotta know that it's just like, we're here for you, buddy. Like everyone goes through a slump and like we're here to break you out of it and I think that it just also goes to show how valuable of an asset George Springer is as a as a teammate to Bo Bichette yeah I mean I don't know how you couldn't love George Springer he's been one of my favorite players in this league before he was even a Blue Jay so uh, he's he brings so much energy to the dugout and I mean everyone on the team seems to love him he's always laughing he's always cracking jokes he's always laughing at other people's jokes so I mean I don't know how you couldn't love the guy um, but you know I hope that that kind of player like that mentor you know veteran player like that can um, he can really step up and, and provide Bichette the support that he needs when he's going through a slump like this. Because, I mean, obviously in the past, like, this is the third season that Bichette's been in the league. Obviously not full seasons, but this is the third season, or fourth season, sorry, that he's seen playing time. And in his first three seasons that he's seen playing time, he's been an above-average hitter. He's had OPS pluses of 144, 127, and, and 121. I mean, obviously he's only had the full season in 2021, but even that 121 OPS plus, you know, he's been, he's been an above-average player. And he's significantly above average player in a lot of ways. So this isn't the Boba Shet that we're we're expecting to get, you know, going forward. This isn't the type of player that he's proven he's been on his way up in the minors and into the major leagues. He's proven that he's a, he's a better player than that. Um, like you said, he's just off to a bad start. But um, I, you know, I just 
the, the strikeouts are what really is concerning me right now. Like his his strikeout percentage last season was nineteen point nine percent, and he's off to the start of this season. He's striking out twenty eight percent of the time. That's way too high. He's walking not even three percent of the time versus like six percent last year. He's just like he's he's not disciplined like he normally is at all to start this season. He's taking wild swings. And that's something that really needs to be fixed with him before anything's going to change in his uh, in his season outlook. He just needs to fix that discipline right now. Yeah, and there was a point, I think, that up until, like, just past our last recording, that he hadn't taken a walk yet in, like, 12 games, which is, you know, from your number two guy, you expect them to get on base. Like, obviously, George Springer is going to get on base at a pretty good clip. But you're, you also hope that your number two guy, who sets the table for um, Vladdy and Teoscar Hernandez and whoever else is in the four-hole or five-hole, um, is going to be able to get on base. And he just hasn't been able to do that. Like right now, he has an OPS plus of 56, which means that he's 43% worse than the average hitter in the league right now to start off the season. And that's not production you want coming out of the two hole. Like there's not many players on the team right now that have a lower OPS plus than Bo Bichette. And also it's not, not to mention that he's had a bit of defensive struggles to start the year. Like um, we've seen him uh, make the throw that almost got Vladdy injured. Um, thrown wildly off the base. Um, just it's, it's been very dangerous uh, watching him throw the ball across the diamond. And last year I had a bunch of like, whenever Bijou would make a throw from third, I would like kind of like wince a little bit because you never know if he's going to be able to make that throw across the diamond where I haven't had that at all this year, obviously with Matt Chapman, but every time the ball's hit to Boba shed, it's just a little bit nerve wracking, especially at a big point in the game. Yeah, that's a good point. That's something that I uh, I forgot to mention. Um, I mean, I know I, neither one of us are particularly good with uh, with the defensive saber metrics. I know um, you mentioned that in the past, and I also don't know much as, as I do offensive. But from the very basic um, stats that you look at, I mean, he's got a 954 field percentage, which is way too low to be your starting shortstop. I mean, it's early in the season, of course, but this is something that we've seen in the past. He's got 45 assists and three errors. So three errors at such an early part in the season – for your starting shortstop. You know, Bichette's never been the most um, impressive defensive shortstop out there. We know this. But, I mean, that can't stay. He, he, he usually makes up for it significantly with his bat, and that's not the case so far. So at the beginning of the season, he's really been a liability out there, and that's not going to stay because he's a better player than that. We know that. And I, I don't want to sound like I'm just ragging on him, you know, his bat and his, his fielding because – I love Bichette. Like I got a, like my jersey is a Bo Bichette jersey. I love Bo Bichette, but he's just you know he's he's starting the season slow, and I think he'll break out. I don't know if the defense will necessarily break out because while it's a little bit lower than it was last year, that's kind of the player that we're getting out of him, and I'm hoping it can improve. But I I don't doubt that his bat's gonna you know just round it into form. I think he's just starting the season a little bit of a slump, and let's hope that that grand slam is what broke him out. I know this is a bit of a normative discussion, but like when we talk about the defense that Santiago Espinal's provided so far for the Toronto Blue Jays, like, do you think that it's crazy in like a month down the line, if this production continues, you could see a shift of the, of Santiago Espinal moving into that shortstop position, whereas Bo Bichette moves into more of a second base profile kind of player. Yeah. I mean, if, if Espinal can, um, can keep like, the thing was Espinal's he's not hitting at the highest clip, but the thing is his hits are huge hits. Like, you know, he's he's got a 226 batting average, he's on base is 288 this season, so he's lower significantly than he was last season. But you know, he's 
he's ripping the ball like in big moments. So that bat's going to keep him in the lineup. And like you said before, his defense is obviously much better than Bichette's has been so far. Um, and also so, um, something that, sorry, sorry to cut you off, but something that like I heard Dan Shulman say on like the broadcast yesterday is how Santiago Espinal is seeing more pitches at prayer at bat than any other player on the Blue Jays right now. Oh, wow. I didn't know about that. Yeah. And like, that is something that you need in your lineup because like when someone like Nathan Avaldi is out there, like absolutely dealing 70 pitches through seven innings, like you need a guy who will go in there and have a seven, eight pitch at bat to kind of break up the pitcher. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you look at it too with, uh, with, excuse me, with Espinal, like he's walking 7% of the time, which is obviously much higher than, than Bichette is to start the season. His hard hit percentage is almost 53%. Line drive percentage is 35%. He's not hitting the ball on the ground very often. So when he's hitting the ball, he's he's ripping the ball, right? right. Uh, and he's getting on base with with walks more so than Bichette is. Um, you know, he's he's had a better start to the season. I don't think it's much of a debate at that. Um, once again, hopefully that Grand Slam is going to turn the tides because obviously Bichette is, you know, proven to be the better player so far than Espinal. But, you know, I don't know if this is going to be the way that we segue into talking about Espinal again because I feel like we can do it every single episode so far because Espinal's mm-hmm. been a ton of fun to watch so far this season. Um, but yeah, I mean, I could totally say Espinal taking over that shortstop and moving, uh, moving Bichette over to, to second base because we'll touch on him later on. But Kevin Biggio has really done himself no favors in actually staying in this lineup. Well, I think it's actually a good uh, moment to probably segue into uh, talking about Kevin Biggio. Um, currently, he's on the uh, COVID IL. Um, but my question to you is, do you think he will go down to AAA upon return? And if he does, do you think that we will see him back anytime soon? I think he needs to take some time down in AAA. I, right now, his his production in MLB is almost negative. Like, I mean, it is negative at the plate. He's got a negative 18 OPS plus, which is obviously horrible. Um, he's one for 23. He's just, he, he's just get he's up there swinging and walking back to the dugout. It feels like, like he's providing nothing to this Blue Jays offense at all. And now going on the COVID IL, it's almost like this is the, the opportunity for the Blue Jays to say, okay, we'll give you like a, I don't know, quote unquote rehab assignment when he gets back, whether that's what it is actually, or whether it's just, you haven't been performing. We need you to have some time to get your confidence up or they're just like, Hey man, we need to, get someone on this team that's going to provide for us until you prove that you can, then that's not going to be you. Um, I think that it's pretty clear that he needs to go down. He's not providing anything right now, and his confidence is obviously not high. So give him an opportunity to, you know, get some confidence back up in AAA once his, uh, his stint in the aisle is over and maybe call someone up and see if they can provide some some bench depth um, that Bijou couldn't. My dad brought up an interesting point yesterday. He was kind of talking about like how if Biggio didn't have the last name Biggio, do you think that he would still be getting as many chances at the as at the MLB level as he has been, or would he have been sent down by now if he didn't have the last name? No, see, I I don't I don't totally agree with that because I think that I think that Biggio the reason that he's had his opportunities is because um, both with uh, like how he came up with the. Um, with Bichette and Guerrero, you know, they all came up together. So they had that kind of thing. Um, but he also had such a good first season in MLB that I think that the Blue Jays are just see- still seeing that first two seasons, I should say, in the MLB. Like he only had the really bad last year and he had a bad last year, but he was also injured for a lot of it. So I think the Blue Jays still see all the potential that he has. Plus, as being such a super utility guy, they love having him on the field or on the, the roster to play all the different positions that he can. Um, he's into his fourth season now in the MLB and he was a above average hitter in his first and second year, 113 OPS plus and a 122 OPS plus. And then even last year, like he was an 84, which is below average, but it wasn't 
so horribly below average that he like is, you know, a garbage player who has no business in the league. Like that's just a down year with a lot of injuries. So I think that he's proven himself enough that he deserves a shot. But I also think that it might be time that he needs to, even if just for his own confidence sake, go down for a little bit because the season's so early that it's not like, you know, we're, we're losing a, a player that's, you know, one of our, our best or one of our most proven in a playoff push. Like this, the team is good enough without him that they have the luxury to send him down, let him try to build his confidence up. If he can't, then he stays in AAA. If he can, then he comes back up and, and hopefully provides what he did in his first couple of seasons. Like when it comes to when it comes to Kevin Biggio, right now I think that the two players he needs to outperform in the lineup are Gosuke Kato and Bradley Zimmer. And right now he is not outperforming either of them, as evidenced by Gosuke Kato getting the start today in the lineup against the Red Sox uh, this afternoon uh, when with Gosman starting, um, and he has a worse OPS plus right now than Bradley Zimmer and Gosuke Kato as well. So. He's right now he's not outperforming either of them and he's not really earning his roster spot. So I think a Stitton Triple A would do him pretty well. Yeah, and I never want to talk badly about any players in the Blue Jays because obviously we're Blue exactly. Jays fans, but but the fact is that if you can't outperform uh, Kato and Bradley Zimmer, that's a problem because this is a player that was meant to be a, a big piece of the Blue Jays contending in the future. And those are two players that for a player that's going to contribute to a contending team, you absolutely need to be able to outperform those players and significantly, I should say. So when you can't outperform Bradley Zimmer, who's been a career below average hitter, and Kato, who's, I mean, as far as I know, I don't know anything about him on any other MLB rosters. That's a huge problem. Yeah. And come on, like, we don't need to write too hard on Bradley Zimmer. Like, after all, we are a Bradley Zimmer podcast. Um, <laughs> we have an award named after him, after all. No, we have, an, we have an award named after Ross Stripling, but maybe we should rename it to the Bradley Zimmer Award. Sorry, I, after last week, I just assumed we renamed it to the Bradley Zimmer Awards because he's the only player that deserves to win the Bradley Zimmer Award week in and week out. <laughs> you know what? I'm just going to rename it to the Bradley Zimmer Award right now. Do you want to take Good. us into the Zach Collins segment? Yeah, my boy. I love Zach Collins. No, okay, all jokes aside, Zach Collins is <laughs> – I feel like Zach Collins, when he got traded, is one of the few pl- people to listen to our podcast and got fired up at what I said about him because, man, this guy's tearing the cover off the baseball. I mean, who would have thought that Zach Collins would step into the Blue Jays and just do what he's done so far? On In his 34 plate appearances, 33 at-bats, guy's got three home runs. Hitting 303 with a 324 on base percentage, 636 slugging, a 177 OPS plus as a guy that I thought was going to bring absolutely nothing. And I hated the trade. I mean, made a way to make me eat my words so far. I don't know if this is sustainable. It's such a short period of time, but man, he's looking good. And if this is sustainable, well, I, you I'm, know gonna, I'm just going to start trash talking all the new players in the Blue Jays because it's going to make them amazing, apparently. Well, like, I, I don't think that he's going to be batting to a 160 OPS plus for the entire season. I mean, like, that no, is, those, I those, are like, those are like Mike Trout numbers right there. But <laughs> yeah, like, I assume not. But, like, I think that he could be a guy, if he can give you 105 OPS plus, he's going to be a solid guy to have around for when, like, Guerrero gets injured, too, because he can play first base. Or, like, he can be a lefty bat in the middle of that lineup and, like, play like a Justin Smoke kind of bat like that Justin Smoke was providing in the years of 2015 to 2017. Like that would be a pretty cool thing to get out of Zach Collins, who we got for Reese McGuire. And I mean, how crazy is that, that if Zach Collins can keep this up, even just like end up being a slightly above average hitter rather than a Mike Trout level hitter, um, 
like look at the the catchers that this this team will have when Dan Jansen comes back. He was having a towards start. You know, Kirk we'll touch on a little bit later. Hasn't had a great start, but he's also you know he's got all the talent in the world. Gabriel Moreno coming up. It's like the Blue Jays are just gonna have an embarrassment of riches of catchers, and I love that. Um, you know, catchers always been a historically weak position in the league, so to have so many guys to pick from, that's ridiculous. And I didn't think that Zach Collins would be this guy at all. I I don't think he's gonna maintain this. I think you agree with that too. But he's also made me much more of a believer than I was when he first made the trade. And that's saying something because I really didn't like the trade. And you know that this podcast, anyone listens to it knows that. But Zach Collins is changing my opinion. Well, I know that Zach Collins is out there listening to every word that you say. He makes up one of our four <laughs> listeners alongside Brendan Anita, Anita and Bradley Zimmer. So And Josh. Don't forget Josh. Right. I can't Shut forget up, Josh either. Josh. Um but like right now, I think that you are the sole reason why Bradley Zimmer has go- has going and or sorry, not Bradley Zimmer. Zach Collins has gotten going. Yeah, I was going to say sure Bradley Zimmer. No, not yet. <laughs> I feel like we talk about Bradley Zimmer more than any other Blue Jays podcast in Canada. Well, we're a Bradley Zimmer podcast. We are. We are the Bradley Zimmer podcast. Um, <laughs> I feel. Do you think that if we rename the podcast the Bradley Zimmer podcast, he'd come on the podcast? That'd be amazing, wouldn't it? Can you imagine? That? Um. Let's move into the starting rotation. Um, <laughs> Gosman drops Dick last Thursday and Brio does yesterday. Um, right now, Gosman has a 2.ERA and Brios has a 3.ERA since his rough opening day. Uh, he still has a bit of inflated ERA at a 4.91, but I'm not concerned about that at all. Like, no. Obviously, the, the top three, including Manoa, have been absolutely lights out to start the season. And if these guys can sustain it, especially considering um Gosman and Brios have a very low track record when it comes to injury like they they don't ever get injured at all for the most part knock on wood like if those two can stay healthy and be serviceable for sorry not serviceable well above average for seven innings a game I think that gives the Blue Jays an awesome awesome uh chance to win uh three days per rotation yeah I mean what a what a start by Gosman that was unbelievable um like you said, absolutely drop dick. Too bad he couldn't go the complete game, though. I, I mean, I, I'll get your opinion on it afterwards, but I don't I don't think that Montoya made the wrong decision by pulling him as soon as he gave up that hit. That's the right decision, in my opinion. Um, through, you know, his his first, what is it, three starts I think Osmond has, he currently leads the MLB in FIP with a 0.70 FIP, which is stupidly low and obviously is going to shoot back up because that's not even close to be. I mean, he he's – three 3.09 4.2 i mean that's not even that's not even possible to maintain but um no, it's just something impossible. something something to look at early on the season you love to see that um but yeah he was unbelievable like everything was working on him for the day like every, all of his pitches had ridiculous movement he had such um command of all of his pitches he was getting swing and misses i mean the guy's been incredible so far to start this season he hasn't allowed um, a home run yet in his first three starts sorry you got something you want to say Oh, no, sorry. I was, I just wanted to um, say that for anyone who doesn't know, uh, FIP stands for Fielding Independent Pitching, which means that it measures a pitcher's effectiveness at preventing home runs, walks, and hit by pitches, but while, but while causing strikeouts. Um, the constant is set uh, so that each major league average FIP is the same as the major league average ERA. Yeah, so, I mean, he's guy's not allowed a home run yet this season. Uh, he hasn't walked starts. anyone this season. Hasn't walked anyone this season. I mean, what a first three starts for this guy. And, uh, you know, he was awesome last year with the Giants. Um, the only kind of question mark coming to the Blue Jays this season was the fact that he had a little bit of a downturn after the, uh, you know, the sticky stuff band at the end of last season. So I was like, maybe that was it. But, no, he's, he's, he's a great pitcher. He's, his stuff is on fire last outing he had. And, I mean, 
we're not going to get complete games or 80 things out of him every single time. But, you know, last year, like, he was he was a pretty consistent six, seven inning pitching guy when he was on, and he was on for most of the season last year. So if we can get a replica season of that, I mean, oh, boy, what a, what a player the Blue Jays have got. Well, I'm, I'm officially comfortable when he goes out on the mound. Like, I'm not concerned. Like, I, I can usually sit back and feel comfortable, and I don't want to shield my eyes every time that uh, a Blue Jays pitcher goes out there. Um, uh, a la um, Trent – or, sorry, not Trent Thornton, uh, Tanner Roark last year mm-hmm. and the year before like Tyler something that you want out of your number one or number two guy to be able to go out there and give you six seven eight innings every day and give you a little bit of breathing room and uh, i mean and, and, and let the, the offense perform yeah and the thing is like too like we we don't i think we undervalue the fact that like a guy that can give you six seven eight innings like for, as a starter that's almost unheard of in this mlb now like nobody pitches much anymore like all guys are going five maybe six innings and then the bullpen takes over like there's very few starters in this league that are going to go long. So if you can get a seven innings consistently out of Kevin Gossman, I mean, there'll be starts here and there that he goes less because he's not, you know, has an, has an off day or he gets hit around a little bit. But that's such an important thing to have from a pitcher because most guys don't do that anymore. Like everyone needs – if you can have your bullpen, the arms more rested, you know, you, the Blue Jays playing, what was it, like 29 out of the first 31 days of the season you have to have rest with your bullpen arms so if you can get a pitcher like that that's going to only need two innings out of your bullpen arms you know Romano comes in in the ninth maybe and you get like Julian Merriweather Adam Simber Yumi Garcia like all these guys can be your setup man that's so important to this team and especially if those seven or eight innings that he's going to give us or anything like it was last game because they weren't touching him yeah no not at all and like it's it's also worth noting that like Jose Brios and Alec Manoa have been pretty much the same as well, save for Brios's first start of the season. Like, and I think it's part of the reason why right now the bullpen is just looking so solid. Like, all everyone, like, I can't think of a single game, aside from the one against Houston the other day, where the bullpen has squandered a lead. Yeah, I, I don't think so. I can either. I mean, and the game yesterday was unfortunate for Romano. Um, or n- not yesterday, sorry, against the Ash was a couple of days ago uh, for Romano at the end. You know, it comes in, gives up the home run. The first one he's given up all season for his blown save. But once again, part of that's just, you know, the stupid runner starts on second base. I hate that rule. And I hate I'm it so, so much. Glad, I'm so glad it's going away. Um, uh, but, yeah, I mean, he, he's not going to be able to keep that streak going forever. I'm not really surprised there. No, and of course not. And the fact that we even, like, expect him to do that is – absolutely wild like mm-hmm. man's has eight saves through like his first like nine conversions <laughs> it's incredible um, speaking about the bullpen i think a funny stat which we also talked about last week a little bit is that uh simber picks up another win which brings his um, <laughs> mlb win ca- uh lead, leading the mlb win category with four which is so funny um i mean you, Not- you already know that we're at Adam simber podcast as well um, yeah guy has can a funky I, delivery we love that shit so can i can i quickly propose something a, a scenario if you will that would be my maybe my dream scenario in all of baseball this season go right ahead picture this adam simber the setup man for the toronto blue jays has a 20 win season as a relief pitcher and leads the mlb as, as a winning pitcher how amazing <laughs> would that be i think that would break the win stat just because of like well, the win stat is already as absurd as it is. Oh, um, yeah. Well, exactly, right? 
I think that that would just make it even better. I feel like that would be something that we would never even see again. Um, Obviously, like I'd put that at like a a thousand to one odds of happening as where we are in the current season. But like he's leading it, throw some money on it. You already know that some 80 year old baseball writer is going to look at that and be like, that's my Cy Young right there with with his like (laughs) three ERA from the bullpen, but his 20 wins because of the Blue Jays always getting hits right before he's going to right, right after he pitches. I, I can't believe that. I know that's just a throw-in thing to say really briefly, but Adam Simber with four wins already is hilarious, and I absolutely love that. <laughs> um, and speaking about the best of the rest of the bullpen, like we've talked about Romano and Simber, but it's also worth mentioning that Garcia, Phelps, Meza, Thornton, and Richards, as well as Romano and Phelps, all have ERAs under three right now. That's seven guys out of the bullpen, which is pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, the bullpen's been pretty pretty incredible so far. Um, you look at Simber, like we talked about before, uh, he's been great. Uh, Amy Garcia has been really good. Julian Merriweather has been really good. Um, everyone has kind of just come in and done their role so far. The, the pitching hasn't been much of an issue except for the back end of the rotation, which we'll touch on a little bit, I think. Um, we, t- we talked about Ryu a lot last week. We'll touch on Kikuchi in a little bit. Um, but, yeah, the bullpen's done exactly what they need to do. The closer's been amazing. Uh, the setup guy's been great. Um, we haven't need too much long relief, but, you know, I guess Thornton kind of is that guy. Stripling was meant to be that long relief guy, but he's kind of had to step up into the rotation since uh, Ryu's gone down. Uh, and everyone's just – they've done their job so far. It hasn't been anything of, like, like sub one ERAs that are ridiculous, but we got a consistent bullpen that's going to, you know, hang in there and do what they well, need to do. I have a couple of predictions that I'm going to throw out there right now. Um, the first one being that, because Kikuchi struggled so much just a little bit to start the season, like he hasn't been horrible by any means. He just hasn't been what you want out of your number four, number five guy. I think that they're just going to completely force him to scrap his cutter and throw like fastball 60% of the time. And they'll turn him into like a four ERA guy by the end of the season. I have complete confidence in that. Like, because his fastball is pretty effective, like 90. So like, 100 from the right, I'd argue that sometimes 95 from the left side is harder to hit than 100 from the right side. Yeah, and, totally. I mean, that's going to throw off so many guys, right, if he's going to be able to throw that. I, I, I think that it, it's something they're going to need to change, right? Like, whatever's happening right now, it's not going to be able to um, stay this whole season or it's just not going to be viable for the Blue Jays, right? He's not been as good as they need him to be. He's, uh, you know, he had a little bit of help in the game against the Red Sox, but it was pretty, it was pretty tough to watch. No, Red Sox, sorry, Astros. It was pretty tough to watch. Yeah. Um, I know that I was sitting cringing every single time he threw a pitch. I, I feel like you were probably the same way. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's something that's going to need to be fixed. Um, and the other thing I'm going to put in the universe right now is that um, once he, once he gets back off the IL, Hinjin Ryu is going to be relegated to a, uh, to a long man Ross tripling role until at least the Blue Jays can trade for another starting pitcher, perhaps of the deadline. Because as of right now, I'm not quite sure um, whether Ryu struggles are from the sticky stuff ban or whether the Leafs just figured him out after eight years. But like the man has been great for the Blue Jays for the past couple of years, but it's just hard to watch him go out there every day be solid for two innings, and then the second time through the order, get absolutely lit up for five straight hits. Yeah, there's going to be uh, – I think there's definitely going to be a, a trade at the deadline, or they're going to need to look into a trade at the deadline for a different lefty starter because our righties have been excellent in the top three, and then our lefties have been not good yeah. to start so far. 
So that's going to be something that the Blue Jays are going to have to look at. And we need a we need a lefty that can you know shut down lineups. We can't have our only two lefties in our starting rotation be struggling because then it's going to just every time there's a there's a rotation that hits righty or the lineup that hits righty's hard. We have no one that can come in to pitch against that. So that's got to be something that the Blue Jays are going to have to address. And I I mean I I believe that they will. The the Blue Jays in the past when their contenders have shown that, that willingness to really push for it when it's time. Obviously, you know the the infamous deadline of. Troy Tulowitzki, David Price, and they'll go for the guys. And I think that that's something that if this team is in the position that we expect them to be by the time the deadline rolls around, I think that that'll be something they address. I mean, if you woke me up this morning and told me and told me that Yusei Kikuchi has a better ERA than Jose Barrios right now, I'd have, I would have told you to let me go back to sleep because I wouldn't believe <laughs> it if I was dreaming. Um, but here we are today, um, April 26th, 2022, and Yusei Kikuchi has 3.57 ERA, or 3.75 ERA, um, but he also has a 6.25 FIP, which, I mean, that's not good. Not I at mean, all. That's terrible. Yeah, no. And I mean, obviously, I, I cannot blame Kikuchi entirely for that game against Houston. Like, obviously, um, Bichette made two very key errors that could have gotten Kikuchi out of a couple jams. And I mean, that, that that's the reason why three of the runs against weren't even earned in the first place. But like, he's walking too many guys. And yes. it's, it's impossible to defend a baseball against the wall. It's, it's, it's impossible to defend uh, against the walk which explains the 6.25 tip. Yeah, that, those walks were really frustrating to watch. Um, he just like – and he seemed like – the thing was he was getting frustrated with himself because it was clear that like he was just missing his spots every time. You could see every time that he would like step back onto the rubber. He was just, you know, flexing, cringing. Like, you know, he just – he wasn't he wasn't comfortable up there. He wasn't able to locate the pitches like he wanted to. Um, I'm just pulling up his stats right now to see on the season how many walks he has. He already got 10 walks in the season. Three starts, ten walks. That's way too much. That only two home runs, uh, nine. So ten walks and nine strikeouts. And that's, that's not, not a good ratio. Not that's a ratio not a good ratio. From your number four guy. No, his fielding independent pitching is significantly up since the last two seasons. It went from three point three to four point six to six point two three. That's not good. Uh, his WHIP is at one point seven five. That's not good. You know the stats across the board. They're not astronomically bad, but they're also not good at all. And that's um. That once again, we've talked about this in the past, but I think we've talked about this in almost all the episodes so far. Mm-hmm. As the role that he's in, he just needs to be solid and consistent and give the team yep. a chance to win. And he's not doing that with the walks right now. Like, if you're just going to put guys on, like, you got to make them earn it because at least if they're earning their hits, there's nothing you can do about that. If you make a good pitch and you get hit, what can you do? But when you're just giving them free passes, like you're loading the bases up with two, three walks in an inning, that's just unacceptable because then the team is being put in a hole that while they are good enough and have proved good enough to fight back from, that's like that's not a position that we need to be in because the lineup's so good that they'll win you games if you just give them consistent pitching, and that's not what he's doing so far. When in doubt, Zach Collins will bail you out, and that's exactly <laughs> what happened the other day. Yeah, I've, I've said that all season. I love him. my favorite player. Yeah. Um, moving on, uh, time to talk about the current fifth starter on the Toronto Blue Jays. Um, Ross Stripling is doing the most Ross Stripling things ever. He has a four point five zero ERA. Uh, through 10 innings, which are pretty just, they're, they're just raw stripling numbers. Yep. Um, gotta love the guy. He goes out there and he'll do whatever you tell him to do. That is the most raw stripling thing. Guy, there's a reason we have an award named the raw stripling award, even though um, he never wins the award for being raw stripling. 
Well, we've now changed the name of the award. But God damn it, I forgot we changed it to Bradley Zimmer Award. Yeah. God damn it. <laughs> maybe, maybe we should do that Ross Stripling is doing Bradley Zimmer things. Oh, I see what you've done here. <laughs> just being quiet, just being quietly good, doing exactly what you asked, what's expected of him, not doing anything more, anything less. Yeah, he's just going to be that that guy that either is your long reliever or mm-hmm. the back end of your rotation. He does roster and things. He's going to be consistent. And, you know, that's kind of what I wanted to Kikuchi, just be consistent. It's all you need to do. Just be consistent. Right. Give, give your team a chance to win. It's all you need to do. Um, because we're not going to be talking about Roy Maltapia in the awards section, I just want to talk about him a little bit. I was going through his stat page last night while I was researching what happened this week. Um, currently, he's lowered his ground ball rate to 50%, and we both know that his career ground ball rate has been 67%. So I don't know if that's sustainable, but I've noticed a bit that he's been getting on base more this, this week. So good for him. Um, his, his, his line drive percentage has also increased to uh, 28%, so that's pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, everything, everything up in the air is an improvement for Ramel Tapia. Yeah. Um, his ground ball percentage has been historically way too, way too high. Um, so anything that, you know, slowly gets better is, is improvement. Um, 54% still way too high, but it's better. So improvement, um, line driver percentage, 26% better, 40% hard hit much better. You know, he, he's been, he's been okay for the Blue Jays so far. I wouldn't say that he's been great cause he hasn't, but he's been okay. He's gotten on base enough. Um, He's provided defense when we need him to. He's not striking out too much. Like he's a little bit below average. I mean, he's not walking at all, which not good. Like literally not at all. I don't think he's walked yet this season. Mm-hmm. Uh, nope, not. He hasn't walked yet this season. So that's not good. Um, but you know he'll play defense out there. Uh, yeah. If he can, if he can parlay that, like better hitting if he can like he's hit bear on the ball at more he's putting it in the air a little more still not enough but more if he can parlay that with some walks and he's gonna be able to be a contributor to the team but the problem is he can't just either do one or the other because if he can't walk ever and hits the ball a little bit harder he's still gonna be a below average contributor because he's just not getting on base enough for this team like he's only getting on base right now with the few hits that he has and that's not gonna be good enough to keep him in this lineup. Yeah, no. And I mean he's been getting in the he's been getting at bats every day. A lot of that has to do with like um, Teoscar Hernandez being injured and mm-hmm. Kevin Biggio underperforming and the fact that their other option is Bradley Zimmer. But um, yeah, I, I think that we're going to see a bit more out of him moving forward just because his, he's not doing as much as his career has suggested so far. Like his OPS plus is like 20 points down uh, from where he usually is. So Here's to getting Ryan Moltapia going. Let's hope a little bit of your criticism as uh, we'll bring about the Zach Collins effect on him. It's just funny because I'm just kind of looking back in the past few seasons with Tapia. And like in 2020, he hit 321 with a 369 on base percentage, and he was still a below average OPS plus hitter at 98. That's he incredible. Hit singles. He hits singles and he, st- and he steals second base. He's an old school player that is just, he's got the tools to be a new school player, but he's not doing it. And once again, we talk about it like last time. Jolly all the video, watch it. It's worth a watch. He just needs to start hitting the ball in the air more because he's got the power to do it. He's got the speed to be a contributor. He's just not hitting the ball in the air enough. And like I said already, he's not walking nearly enough. But that's because he hasn't walked yet. So that's pretty obvious that it's not nearly enough. I have a question for you. I'm ready to answer it. Did you know that Kevin Pillar played the fifth inning for the Blue Jays last night? I did not. 
Well, we had a pretty crazy Superman catch in the outfield uh, yesterday. Oh my god! <laughs> I was like, "Wait, what?" <laughs> okay, go on. You want to talk about this one? Yeah. Damn, you had me going there for a second. I was like, "Did we sign into a minor league deal or something?" Um. Yeah, I mean, George Springer, that guy's incredible in defensively at center field. He um, makes another one of those, like, ranging back, full extension, diving over the shoulder catches. He seems like he does that for a living now. Um, I love when he bounces up after those catches and is screaming as his teammate runs over him. That guy brings so much energy anytime he's out on the baseball diamond. Um, I, I, he's one of my favorite players for a reason. He's one of my favorite players since he stepped into this league and since he was on the Astros. You know, I can't stand the Astros. I loved George Springer. He brings so much to this team, either with his bat, with his leadership, and now with his defense. Like, Kevin Pillar was such a good defender for the Blue Jays for so many years that when he left center field, he left such a gaping hole defensively. But George Springer's really stepping up and just, you know, I don't think he'll ever be quite the same as Kevin Pillar because Kevin Pillar was one of the best when he was there. But George Springer's doing pretty damn good. Like, he looks like, an older guy running out there, but he covers so much ground and makes such athletic plays that you forget that he's, you know, I think he's on the wrong side of 30. If I'm, if I'm correct on that, he's there you go. Him. Thank you. Yeah. And he, he's making plays like he's 25. So damn, I love George Springer. Yeah, no, that, I, I don't have anything to add to that. I think you sum, summarized that up perfectly. Um, I just, uh, I think he might actually be my favorite player on this team. Mine too. I'm not going to lie to you. It's probably mine too. Did um, we just well, become a George Springer podcast? <laughs> we, we, we couldn't do that at Bradley Zimmer. Come on. No, that's a good point. Um, do you want to talk about Seiya Suzuki? I do. My favorite player. I have my weekly Seiya Suzuki piece because if you look at Seiya Suzuki, man is currently leading the MLB in OPS with a 1.180 OPS. He's hitting 354 with a 492 on base percentage. In his first 16 games as an MLB player coming over from Japan, he's getting on base almost half the time. Holy, what a transition into the MLB. He's got four home runs, 13 RBIs. He's already walked 13 times. He's only walked three times less than struck out. He's got a stolen base, got four doubles. I mean, damn, what a transition to the MLB. Like, Seiya Suzuki has been proving everybody that believed in him that he's been just as good and he's proving everyone that doubted him getting that big contract without ever playing an MLB game completely wrong because people were saying this guy's going to be good. It's just going to take him a little bit of time. It didn't take him any time. He stepped in the league and is already one of the best hitters. I mean, man, I love Seisu. You got anything to say about him? No, I mean, this is your segment. You, you can talk about him as much as you want. I'm just going to sit back and enjoy it because God. this guy, I don't think we've seen a player come over from Japan and have such an immediate impact than say Suzuki has had in like, you know, since Ichiro. And I wanted, sorry, go on. And like, I mean, Shohei Otani, um, for as good as he was in 2021, he did not have a year like this and he did not have a year like that in 2018. So I think that he's a early, early candidate for rookie of the year, even though he's like 28 years old. Uh, it's weird thinking of a rookie of the year as a 28 year old, but say Suzuki is a player to watch and, I think that he can – I think he was a steal of a signing by the Cubs. He's He currently leads the entire major leagues in on-base percentage, OPS, OPS+, plus, and he's already been intentionally walked twice. As of 16 games into his major league career, he's been intentionally walked the most in the league. I know that's not much, but it's still saying something. He's got a 243 OPS plus to start this season. Oh, my God, Seiya Suzuki, you're so good. 
I wanted this guy in the Blue Jays when he was coming over from Japan. I didn't really expect it because, you know, there wasn't as many places for him to play as some other teams like the Cubs. But, damn, how much fun would this guy be on this Blue Jays roster? I mean, I love this guy. He's one of my favorite players in the league already. I think he'd be batting second if he was on the Blue Jays. Yeah, I totally agree. I totally, I mean, he's he's walking 20% of the time to start his career. What a bad eye. Like, he's, he's striking out 25% of the time, which is, like, almost dead on league average. And he's walking 20%, which is over double league average. He's hitting the ball. Above average, like 42% hard hit, 21% line drive, hitting the balls. Like, he's almost league average in everything with batted balls, except he's walking way more, and he's getting on base because of that way more. Like, damn, say you transitioned so well. I can't believe it. I can't believe how well this guy's transitioned. It really, really blows my mind. Yeah, no. And, I mean, going forward, it'll be interesting to see what he will do. Will he make the All-Star game? Will he win Rookie of the Year? Will he help the club Cubs make a playoff push in a year when they weren't expected to do so? Um, but you can bet that we're going to be covering Seiya Suzuki every week. Yeah, this is probably going to be a piece, even if I just touch on it briefly. If he had a down week, I don't care. I want to talk about this every week because I love Seiya Suzuki. Speaking of someone else that we've been touching on every week, but we'll, we will cease to be doing so as of right now. Um, this is the end of our Conforto watch. Our, of our Michael Conforto watch. He had shoulder surgery and he's just going to be out for the rest of the 2022 season. So hopefully he comes back stronger than ever. I'm sure a team will sign him to a one-year deal and he'll probably go off for them and then sign a big contract the year after that. Yeah, I guess that's the reason why. We kept talking about maybe there's something behind the scenes we didn't know. And I guess that was the reason why. So there we go. No more Conforto watch. Yep. Um, moving on to awards. Uh, the first award of every week is the loudly good player of the week given to the player that is that clearly had a very good standout performance of a week. And, you know, uh, we already talked about Kevin Gosman, and that was my pick. So I don't really need to talk about him that much. He hasn't walked a single batter. He hasn't given up a single home run yet. Um, yeah, that's about all I have to say about Kevin Gosman. Uh, hopefully he goes out there and gives another solid start against the Red Sox today. Yeah, and uh, he's he's been awesome. I'm excited to watch him play today or pitch today. Mine is uh, Vladimir Guerrero. Over the past week, he is – let me just pull up my stats real quick. On-base percentage of 538, so he's getting on base more than half the time, and his OPS of 1.065. Uh, Vladdy's been awesome. Vladdy, Vladdy does Vladdy things. He absolutely rips the ball. Um, he's, you know, he's got five home runs on the season already, which is tied for fifth in the league. Um, you know, this past week, he had a little bit of a mini slump, and this past week he just really stepped right back up and went back to being Vladdy. Uh, walked five times. He's getting on base with walks as well as hitting. Um, you know, I I don't know how much I can even really say about him. He's on. He got five hits. Or he got that hit in at least one of his last five games. Two hits in, in three of those five. Yeah, it's it's like it's a broken record at this point. Vladimir Guerrero is one of the best pure hitters in the MLB, and he's going to keep doing that. I probably won't try to pick him too many times as the player of the week, because more often than not, he's probably going to be the player of the week in this lineup because he's that good. Um, but I feel like I got to give him his due diligence just to start off our podcast. I, I think I did a big spreadsheet about like who wins each award every week and how often they may and how often they win that award because I think it'll be very telling going forward. Um, something I've noticed this week with Vladdy is that compared to last week, um, he's kind of settled down a little bit and pitchers obviously haven't been throwing to him as much with um, Teoscar Hernandez at lineup, so he's definitely been a bit lot more patient, which explains the OBP at 538. Um, yeah, I don't know. As long as he can, you know, get on base and set the table for Lourdes Gurriel Jr., Zach Collins, Teoscar Hernandez, Matt Chapman, 
you know, just keep it coming. Most at like, if you think of that, uh, the two thousand or the twenty eleven movie Moneyball, it's all about getting <laughs> on base, and he does that as a lead clip. I mean, yeah, we can say that it's all about getting on base, but he also hits the ball harder than I'd say just about anyone other than maybe Aaron Judge in this league. Like he absolutely rips the baseball. He's got some of the most power, and he's the best pure hitter other than maybe Juan Soto and Mike Trout. Like, come on. Vladimir Guerrero is someone that we're not going to talk about too much because we'd spend our entire lives talking about Vladimir Guerrero if we could. He's that good. He's so much fun to watch, and he's the best player in the Blue Jays, and I don't think that there's a conversation against that. If you're looking for a podcast that talks about Bradley Zimmer more than Vladimir Guerrero Jr., you've come to the right place. <laughs> um, moving on to the quietly good player of the week. Um, this is this award is given to a player who kind of falls underneath the radar, but still had a pretty good week. Um, my pick is uh, Lourdes Gurriel Jr. Uh, he picked up his first two home runs of the season, and he has seven hits over last week, which has given him a, a total of an, uh, a .800 OPS. Um I don't know what to say about Lourdes Gurriel Jr. He's just been he's filling he's filling into his role in the uh, number four spot quietly well. Um, people have been getting on base and he's been driving them in, and that's exactly what you want out of Lourdes Gurriel Jr. He always starts off the season a bit slowly, but I, I guarantee you'll be talking about him in late May as like the loudly good player of the week, as he has like a five home run week as he always does in May. Yeah, that sounds like a, a very Gurriel thing to do. He's He's developed in such a good hitter for the Blue Jays. Um, you know, he's he's going to be that guy that is in the five five hole most of the time. Maybe the six hole if he moves down a little bit. You know, Chapman after him, and he's he does a little bit of everything. He can hit down the line. He can hit up the middle. He can obviously hit home runs. Like he's you know he's just a really good pure hitter. Um, and he always starts out slow. He hasn't been as slow as in the past, so we'll give him that. Um, but it was really fun to watch him play against the Astros, especially with his brother. Him and Yuli kind of went back and forth. Yuli had a nice game with a couple of doubles. Guriel was having a nice game. He had the uh, go-ahead run and the ultimate loss that they had in extra innings. Um, those two guys, imagine imagine if Gur- Yuli Guriel could have come over from Cuba a little bit earlier in the career that he could have had in the MLB. Because, uh, yeah, I think, he's a, was... I think Yuli Guriel is a player that often falls under the radar. And something that um, you missed that what was that uh, – he had his he got his gold glove from last year and yep. um, Lourdes was just around him yeah uh, playing around as he was getting the award and I think it's pretty cool that he was given the award the same week the Blue Jays were in town in Houston yeah that was awesome and you know he comes in he rips a couple of doubles he was the best hitter for the uh the Astros in that game and you know those guys it's always fun watching the play because like Guriel, just like Springer, just like most of this Blue Jays team just has so much fun playing the game. And I think that's why he is such a good hitter is because he just is so relaxed and just has fun playing baseball. And that's such an underrated thing. Like you look at the difference between him and I, I don't want to keep bragging on it, but you look at the difference between him and like Kevin Biggio in the play. Like Biggio just doesn't seem like he's having fun out there. He doesn't seem like he's comfortable. He doesn't seem like he's happy when the guys that are really hitting the ball like Springer, Guerrero, um, Guriel, even Teoscar when he's healthy, like they're just laughing, they're joking, and then they're going out there and mashing the baseball. Like that's what makes them so successful is they're just out there having fun. Yep. And I and don't. That, that's uh, the most important part of the game, right? It's just absolutely. Fun. At the end of the Somebody day, they're grown men making it. millions of dollars playing a kids' game. Exactly. Um, you want to move into your pick? 
Yep, my uh, my quality or my quietly good player of the week, sorry, is uh, Alex or Alec Manoa. Um, you know, he's had a couple of great starts so far, but I feel like I haven't heard much talk about him at all. Like, I don't think we mentioned him really. We talked about Gossman and Burgos more, um, but we didn't even really touch on Manoa. He, uh, his first start was really good, but he had too many walks, which we talked about. And then he comes back and he has an excellent start, didn't walk anybody. And the only runs he came up were on the home run to Bregan early. And then he shut the door for the rest of the game. Um, he was getting hit around a little bit, but he always limited those hits to no runs coming in other than the Bregman home run. Um, Manoa has been awesome so far. And we talked about it last week of uh, his start before that. And then even now, nothing changed. Like he could very well end up being at the top of this rotation by the end of the season with the way he's pitched. He, you know, Burrios had that bad start to start the season. Um, Manoa hasn't had one yet. He hasn't had a bad start yet. He only gave up the two runs and he completely flipped that way too many walks on his head by walking absolutely nobody. So, yeah, I don't know why Manoa's not being talked about too much, but he's going to be in the headlines if he keeps this up pretty quickly. I don't want to beat a dead horse into the ground, but like we have Burrios, Gosman, and Manoa for at least the next five years. And those three guys headlining the rotation for the next three years, like Manoa is not in his prime yet. I think Brios is just about to reach his prime. I think Gosman is in the middle of his prime right now. So if we just have these three guys headlining the rotation for the next five years, hopefully that gives you like a set of like three dudes who will go out there and shove for you uh, five days of the week that they're pitching. Yeah. And I don't see anything. That, I don't see that changing at all. Um, I don't know. Uh, if, if we've talked about it much or if we need to talk about it much, just something I kind of noticed uh, with Alec Manoa, especially he's put on quite a bit of weight from last season. I think that you might've noticed that as well. What do you, have you noticed that? Nope. Not at all. No. Okay. Well, he just seems like he's put on uh, some weight from last season and it's not affected him at all like that. But um, you know, if, if that's something that ends up getting in his way, you know, just something to watch, right? Because he's still a young man. So as he gets older and if he can't quite maintain that weight, then I don't know. Cause he's always been a big guy, but I, I mean, maybe it's just me. He just seems like he's put on some weight from last season. But I mean, I'll, I'll talk about that another time if it ends up uh, affecting him or if you notice that as well, because maybe I'm just totally wrong on that. No, I'm sure you're right. I just haven't noticed it yet. And who knows, maybe we'll, maybe it's something we'll have to talk about down the line, but at least he's not winning the next award. Um, I don't even want to call it winning the next award because it's uh, <laughs> Get being Derek, forced the, upon them. <laughs> the, the Derek, the Derek Fisher worst player of the week award. I want to spend pretty much zero time on this. I just want to go through our picks because we've already like talked both of these topics into the ground. Um, Bobuche is my pick. Um, hasn't been obviously been the worst player, but uh, everyone in the lineup top to bottom is a higher OPS plus than him other than Bradley Zimmer and Kevin Biggio. Uh, Strike percentage is hovering at 30% away from last year. Walk percentage is down. Um, small storms, uh, small sample size, maybe. Should we be worried? Probably not. He just had a bad week. Um, it, felt, it felt a little bit weird giving him this award after his big game-winning Grand Slam yesterday. But as we talked about in the first five minutes of the podcast, it just hasn't been Boba Shett's week. Uh, he may be getting unlucky as his BABIP is down. Uh, BABIP is batting average on balls in play. Um, usually, uh, the average bounce would be around 320 and right now it's around 280 which suggests he might be getting a little bit unlucky when he hits the, when he hits balls in play but uh his some of his other metrics have suggested that maybe he's not getting unlucky and that's just kind of where he is right now yeah i mean and I, my award for uh is Kevin Biggio and once again we've talked about him enough so far we don't need to keep ragging on that everything's been said hasn't mm -hmm. hit and he's now in the aisle so 
Um, mm-hmm. He's probably going to go down. I'd be surprised if he stayed up after he gets back. You know, he's had a, he's had a rough start of the season. So this kind of, this week wasn't anything different. It kind of just carried over and that's the pick. I hope he recovers well from COVID and he gets a chance at AAA to reestablish himself, reestablish that eye that we came to love and rely upon in the 2019 and 2020 seasons. Um, but other than that, I don't really want to spend much time on the Derek Fisher award. I think we should move on. Um, this podcast is getting pretty long already today. <laughs> we have um, a lot to talk about. We do have a lot to talk about. Um, right now, I think the most improved player of the week is Jose Rios. He's had two starts over last week, six innings against the Red Sox last week, seven innings against the Red Sox yesterday. Um, this, this is just who Jose Brios is. He's He needs a bit of time to get ready. I think the short and spring fucked him up a little bit. But other than that, I think he'll be ready to go in a few days. Yep, I agree. Ever ever since that I first started, he's been really good. And I think he's he's I mean, we knew that that wasn't the Brios we were getting. So yeah, this is back to the Brios we were expecting when we signed him and he was the opening day starter. And I'm excited to see how he goes from here on out. Yep. Um moving on, uh, we have the last of the word, the uh, Bradley Zimmer award for players we forgot were on the team, but are highly versatile. Uh the newly renamed award. Um, my pick of the week is uh, Trent Thornton. I forgot that he was on the team until he came out of the bullpen the other day against the uh, against the Houston Astros and uh, Yusei Kikuchi shortened start, gave up one hit when 1.2 innings pitched, uh, bridged the gap to uh, the rest of the bullpen and gave the Blue Jays a chance to win. Um, he has been highly versatile this year. He's thrown nine innings pitched. He's only given up one run, giving him a one dot ERA. Um, his whip is less than one at zero point. Uh, 0.89, and uh, he's only given up four hits this year. So good for you, Trent Thornton. I forgot you were on the team, but you are highly personal. <laughs> My pick for this uh, is Ghost Kato. Um, I pick him mostly just because I totally forgot he was on the team. He got called up, and I didn't realize he got called up until he was the defensive replacement at first base when uh, Kevin Bijou got pinch hit for. And the fact is, he is a second baseman infielder that can also move over and play pretty much any infield spot, which automatically qualifies him for the highly versatile award because mm-hmm. Bradley Zimmer can't win it every week as much as I'd love to give it to him because this is a Bradley Zimmer podcast. Um, but for Kato stepping up and playing first base, you win it this week. He's, he's uh, starting at first today, which I believe is that's his uh, first MLB start. So congrats, Ghost K. Kato on his on his first uh, MLB start. Hopefully he'll pick up that first hit. I believe he's walked three times already, so that's pretty cool. boy. Um, but yeah, hopefully we'll see that first MLB hit. Uh, he's been grinding in the minors for years, so maybe today will be the day. We shall see. Um, yeah. We'll finish off this podcast today with uh, my Brenna and Nina Blue Jay fact of the week. Uh, Brenna and Nina, did you know that the Blue Jay is a provincial bird of King Edward Island in Canada? I know I didn't. Uh, isn't it Prince Edward Island? Uh, I'm reading. It says King Edward Island. I don't know where King Edward Island is, but I'm huh. reading that. I'm going to Google it. So kind of talk a little bit while I Google King Edward Island, because maybe this article is just wrong. Well, if you uh, if here's fun geographical facts about Canada. Uh, there are 10 provinces and three territories. And what separates provinces and territories is that provinces have their own legislation and are have a certain level of autonomy uh more so than territories and territories are pretty much just direct delegates of the government and though they have their own parliament they have limited power and authority so oh king edward island king edward island is an island in ontario it's situated near the petawawa river 
and southwest of the Cool Boot Channel. Hmm. So little you know, did you I'm know learning that. A lot that I'm learning a lot with these Blue Jays facts as well. No kidding. So am I. So that one was for you, Brendan and Nina. I hope you guys enjoyed that one. And got to got to give our weekly shout out to Josh as well. Of course, Josh. Thanks for being one of our four listeners. Keep it up. And thank you to Brennan, Nina, Zach Collins, and Bradley Zimmer for also being our other listeners. So Yeah, um, we're going to make a quick promise here. We, we might have to uh, bail on it next week, but um, there is a loose promise that we will have Bradley Zimmer on the podcast next week. So um, if that doesn't happen, I, I, I told you so, but, you know, it might happen. We'll see. Make it happen, Twitter. <laughs> All right. Uh, thank you, everyone, so much for listening. If you like the podcast, tell a friend about it. Um, we'll be here pretty much every Tuesday. Um, maybe once we get into the depths of summer, we might be doing a podcast for every series, but I don't know. We're both pretty busy people. Um, yeah. Anything else? Nope. All good. I think we've said everything we need to say. Go Blue Jays. Go Blue Jays.